Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, we dive into the strong finish heading into the All-Star break for the Blackhawks, winning 11 of their last 16 games, including five straight before Tuesday's loss to the Panthers. We'll talk about Patrick Kane's 1,000 points and the on-ice ceremony before Tuesday's game, the return of Joel Quenville to the United Center, as well as a look into, as fast as heard, the Blackhawks' original feature about Kendall Coyne. And we'll talk to Eric Lear about what goes into a project like that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive. Hey Blackhawks fans, your local Chevy dealers have a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for you. Take your best shot to win the 2020 Chicago Blackhawks Custom Blazer. It's a -a one-of-a-kind performance machine with its custom Blackhawks leather interior and Chicago Skyline grille. You can't win if you don't enter, so go to ChevyDriveChicago.com and register right now. You must be 18 years or older to enter. Someone's got to win, so it might as well be you. Go for it. Drive what Kane and Taze drive. Welcome into Blackhawks Insider. Carter Baum joined by Adam Burrish, Chris Cook, and one of the originals making his return to Blackhawks Insider, Eric Lear joining us this week, who is a member of uh, the first few episodes that we did this season, uh, has had other priorities take over his time, and so we're glad to have you back, Eric. You told have, me you kicked him out. That was between us. Yeah. Yeah. Conflicting <laughs> reports. Uh, they always come into back. the Blackhawks. Yeah. <laughs> Either way, I've been welcomed back. The door's yeah. been open. So happy to be back. Door's been open. Uh, we'll talk to Eric a little later on about the Kendall Coin documentary that came out uh, earlier today on Wednesday. Uh, as fast as her, we spoke with Kendall, gentleman, last week. A great conversation with her. But uh, I thought it'd be a little cool to get the other side of this story because this has been something that's been in the works for quite literally a year. So uh, we'll we'll dive into that later on. But first and foremost, uh, happy All-Star break, happy bye week. There are now eight days without a Blackhawks practice. And uh, I'd venture to say that not many of the Blackhawks players are still in the city of Chicago right now. Uh, a well-deserved break after a, a hectic start to the season, including uh, a very good stretch over the last few weeks. They've won 11 of their last 16 games. They had a five-game winning streak going into last night's game against Florida, uh, a 4-3 loss to the Panthers, who were on a five-game winning streak of their own. That's no bad loss there. I mean, those are two very good teams that kind of duked it out uh, on the United Center ice. But uh, we, we talked a little bit about it last week. Things are, are trending well, and the team, as it stands right now, into the break, three points out of uh, wild card spot. I think four points out of even the third place in the division. If you want to bypass the wild card race, I mean, Chris Cook, you wrote something uh, earlier this week that this team is right in the thick of it based on their play of late. Yeah, most people had them buried. Right, can't make the playoffs. Let's look at, look yeah. for a draft pick and talk about next season. And they've really turned things around. And you just look at a couple of factors. Obviously, the goaltending has been great all season long with Robin Leonard and then Corey Crawford. But to me, it's the penalty kill. Right, last season I think they finished twenty ninth. Right now they're tied for fourth or in fourth place by itself. That, to me, is a huge turnaround. You're talking about uh, special teams, where you know that one of the special teams' goals can really turn a game around. So I think um, some credit to uh, Stan Bowman there for bringing in some guys, Ryan Carpenter and Kelvin Hahn before he's injured, and uh, other guys who've come in and stepped up on that penalty kill. 
And I think your best penalty kill has been Robin Leonard and Corey Crawford. Leonard, I thought the other night, was terrific on the kill. So that, that's been a big difference. And this team just got a lot of confidence. And you talk to the guys, and you know, before, when they kind of sheepishly, yeah, we want to make a run for the playoffs. Yeah. They made that run. That run's been made. You've got to keep it going here. And I'm just kind of, Burr, I want to get your thoughts on this break now. I was almost kind of like, boy, tough time for the break because yeah. you're rolling, right? But you talk to the players, and they're pretty much all looking forward to some time off. Yeah, I think you, when you go on a run, when you're winning five in a row or six in a row or six or seven, it's hard. You know, mm. you're, you're grinding to get those wins every night. And after you put two or three together, you put some pressure on yourself. Like, we've got to keep this going. But you can see yourself climbing in the standings and getting higher and higher. And I think it was a, a good time for a break. I think I can tell you from a player, when, when, you, when you have these breaks, you want to finish either personally doing really well, having a couple points, a couple goals, or having your team doing really well so that when you come back, you know your coach isn't going to be like, all right, we got to get back into it. We're gonna, we haven't been playing well. we got to get back to a fast start. Where these guys can now leave. They can go sit on a beach somewhere and feel good about the work that they've done the last two or three weeks, got themselves back in the hunt. And I'm with you, Chris. This was a team that, I, I, gosh, to be honest with you, a month ago, if somebody were to say, would you bet this team makes the playoffs? So you put all your money on it. Oh, God, I don't know if I could have. And Not Burke's now, money, no. No, well, yeah. Yeah, it wouldn't be much. Um, now I think it's, it's a real conversation. They can keep playing in this. Penalty kill's been great. Imagine if this power play was doing what it did right. last year. They're in the playoffs if this power play's doing it with the team that, if you're being fair to, has struggled a bit defensively still. But their penalty kill's been great, and their superstars have been great, and their goaltending's been great. So, man, if this power play can get clipping too, they're back in the hunt. You talked, you mentioned one point about individual players feeling good about their games going into the break. I think that's why Kirby Doc's game last perfect night time. was perfect for him. He broke a 13-game goalless skid, had an assist, a, a terrific goal in the backhand. He was really happy and confident in the room afterwards saying, yeah, this is really good for me, and I'm going to go home now and watch my brother. He says his brother's got a couple of home games. Yep. He's going to hang out with him. But he's got, what, 10 days or whatever to sit here and think about I'm coming off a really good performance. Now I can kind of reset here and really take off. Yeah, he can go home now you know, as Kirby Doc playing in the NHL guy and have a little bit of confidence and feel good about his game. Um, I think for him, he's a guy he expects to have those kind of games. He's, he puts the pressure on himself. I want to deliver. I want to score every night. I want to contribute every night. And he's had some stretches that have. I think he's been playing well. He just hasn't been getting the points and hasn't been producing the score sheet. But going home now for him as an 18-year-old kid after having a two-point game. 19 now. 19 yeah. now, sorry. Yeah, having, <laughs> having a, belated having birthday. a yeah. one-day belated birthday. Yeah, right? having, a, having a great game. He's going to feel good about it. Now he can come back to that first practice when the break is done, when you are a little nervous because as weird as it sounds as a professional player, when you don't skate for eight days, it, your timing's off. It is a little weird. It feels like your first day back in school, and he's going to be able to come back and feel, well, I feel pretty good about it. I was going to ask you about that. I think I saw somewhere Michael Froelich, is on his break right now, yep. and he's out there, and he rented some ice, and he's out there, you know, bag skating himself. Yeah, Did hero. you guys do any of that? No, was, no, no. Throw the throw the skates in the trunk, and what uh, were you doing uh, on the yeah, break? Maybe you would like, you know, tell everybody, yeah, I've been working out in the gym. But <laughs> I was having a pina colada on a beach somewhere. A two point night from Kirby Doc, as we mentioned, on his nineteenth birthday, uh, very. Patrick Kane-esque goal as well, yeah. walking down the wing and firing a backhander top corner, uh, basically the only part of the net he had it. It might have even been a little bit of a bar down, a glance off the crossbar. But a two-game point streak for him, he's starting to feel the confidence. And you add that to the group that we talked about last week. Jonathan Taves is still flying. He's one point away from hitting 800 in his career. Patrick Kane hit his 1,000-point milestone on Sunday night. You have Dominic Kubelik, who still is just 
continuing to fly. He had one game where he didn't get a point, and he's right back to it on Sunday night. I mean, the the offensive weapons are going. You mentioned the goaltending. You have Robin Leonard, who, by his own words, had a rough game against the Florida Panthers. He was upset about that, but it was kind of the one time all year where the rest of his teammates and Jeremy Colleton were like, he can have a night off. Like, he's deserved that with some of the games he's had this season so far. Uh, Corey Crawford, two wins in, in his back-to-back starts last week, including another big win in Montreal. I mean, Eric, you were on that three-game road trip through uh, Eastern Canada. I mean, that's that's a big six points coming on the road like that, even though maybe some of those teams are at the bottom of the standings. And I know there was a lot of disappointment in that homestand. There was that four-game homestand mm-hmm. uh, leading into that trip. The the two games in the middle were, were tough losses. Uh, got a win uh, against Anaheim on that Saturday before the team took the road and then to sweep that I thought was huge uh to get to get four straight wins you, you beat an Ottawa team that um uh, is probably a team that you should have beaten but the, those other two games are pretty tough and Toronto's always a fun matchup whenever the Blackhawks and, and the Maple Leafs meet up um, but I thought that trip was huge to go out there to keep that that good momentum going uh, unfortunately a tough loss uh last night heading into the break but I just thought that trip was so important Corey Crawford was always always great in Montreal he, he was great on that trip um, just overall, very clutch road trip by the Blackhawks. And, and just to give our listeners an idea, when and Eric's talking here, you want a good perspective on the mood of the guys and how happy and how loose they are. Eric's probably a really good guy to ask because when you're on, watching on TV at home and you see the media scrum, once that's done, now Eric on the day off or right after might have to pull that guy and say, hey, we got to film some content piece for the website right <laughs> I now. I got to bug you right now. I got to bug you right now. Can we ask a favor of you to record this or do that? And when things are going good or not, you get a pretty good beat on what the mood's like and you are on that trip. And it seemed like it, it's been pretty good the last few weeks. It's been fantastic. I mean, it usually is. The guys are, are great in, in this locker room to work with, but everybody's a little more willing to uh, to smile <laughs> yeah. when I walk up and ask them to do something in the locker room after a few wins. So yeah. that tri- everybody was riding high on that trip and it was a, it was a lot of fun to be on and, and to keep uh, keep the wins going. We should do a segment on what you've heard when they're not going well. Yeah. If, <laughs> I don't know if we could air it though, yeah. but maybe after the, after the podcast Might is over. Might have to slip out of the room here Again. Yeah. Yeah. Corey Crawford going back to Montreal. I want to touch on that for yeah. a second. He's lights out yeah. in Montreal, his hometown. A 6-0-2 record, a 1.12 goals against average, and a .971 save percentage. The highest of any goalie to play at least seven games in Montreal all time. I mean... Mm. That's not an easy place to play. It's either. not an easy no. place to play. And there's a... I mean, especially for a goalie, it's easy to have a night off here or there. And, I mean, Montreal's a team you face on the road once a year. So that's seven years of his career, at least, that he's been able to put up strong performances like that. That's consistency that you never see uh, every single year, night in and night out, when you're in an opposing city to just have that dominance. And uh, Go back and look at the game. Remember that first dump-in, too? The first t- first Wait, play he makes it. on the game, <laughs> toe picks behind the net. Looked like he hit his head, maybe, or who knows what. Got up slowly, so not the great start. But um, you're right. It's not an easy building to play in. It, it was one of my favorite buildings to play in, but probably the most I don't the most uncomfortable I was every game. The um, it's it's a big building. The stands kind of go straight up all around this huge big bowl. Uh, they're chanting. They're pre. It, it was for me. It was it was uncomfortable. It was so cool. I think you get wrapped up in the history there and what's going on, and you're looking around in the chants. Um, I always felt a little bit like it was a, it was an, it was an, like I was in a video game playing in that building. And 
Um, I never had, even as a team, I don't think I, I won a lot of games there. And you go there once a year, so you never get familiar with it. The one thing I liked about it is they got really good hot dogs there. And after the game, they bring in this massive box of hot dogs. And so everybody's just crushing hot dogs in the yeah. locker room. They're known for their press box hot dogs. Press, yep, and they that bring that those down. Had more than yeah, right. they, 40 or 50, but they're, yeah. they're excellent. They're pressed and they're yep. hard they to describe. Yep, got a piece of bread almost, yeah. kind of real yeah. thin bread. And... I'm not comfortable passing along how many of those I had yeah. no. last week. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll get to those stats later on, don't worry. <laughs> a great road trip that was wrapped in Toronto uh, with... Patrick Kane getting his 999th career point. Uh, there was a moment there where I was almost fearful that 1,000 would come on an empty netter or yeah. something late in the game. It just it was shaping he up wasn't to be gonna one of those do that because he got it early. He got that 999th point in the first period, and at that point it was kind of like, all right, this is going to happen tonight. Here we go. And as the game went on, it was kind of like, I ah, don't don't do this on like yeah. a. a, a Bad empty netter, but we saw on Sunday he got it with the secondary assist on a Brandon Saad goal at the United Center. A really cool moment. The entire team comes off the bench, you know, mugs him in the corner. He started a celebration basically on the dot and was pressed against the glass by the end of it because he had so many teammates mobbing him. Uh, it wasn't necessarily a pretty assist. It was a good teamwork goal with yeah. the secondary assist, but you could tell he he wanted to kind of get that over with. He was kind of maybe holding the stick a little tight, you know, had some moments in that game where you could see he was maybe trying to do a little too much and, and do it himself. But a, an awesome moment for him on Sunday at home in front of the United Center crowd. Keep it alive. Kane down low. Saturday. You know, we've all seen a lot of hockey games, and sometimes, you know, as much as fans don't want to hear it, but not, you know, sometimes not every game is the most exciting, yeah. and especially when you're working up there. But but when that happened, when all those teammates came out and mugged him in the corner, I had chills, and I'm yeah. like, boy, I've seen a thousand hockey games. Yeah. It was a really fun moment, and you don't get too many of those. And then, bang, we had it back to back with the two uh, presentations last night with Joel Quenville returning and, and celebrating Patrick's 1,000 point. Really fun times at the United Center, and the energy level was great, and it really kind of energized me. I'm sure the players are, yeah. are, are feeling the same. Yeah, what we were kind of thinking, because uh, he knows exactly where he is in the standings. He, he, oh, yeah. you know, he knows everything. He knows every little stat Kaner does. Um, and I was thinking, well, God, maybe he is really going to push and get this at Hockey Night in Canada in Toronto. But then and I you think— You called it last week. You said, I think he's going to do it I on said, Saturday uh, yeah, night. All of us self, up, right? Yep. We all were like, selfishly, I want to see this at home. Mm-hmm. So we can be there. We can see it. And I I'm, I was thinking back, I don't think I've ever played in a hockey game where the entire bench comes out in the middle of the game mm-hmm. for a celebration. And, and then I had heard, I thought it was pretty cool that Jonathan Taves actually asked the referees... If it was, if this happens tonight, is it okay if we all come on the ice and, and get to celebrate with Patrick? This has happened, what, 91 times in the, hi- 90s? He was the 90th, in, yeah. in the history of the world. Yeah. 
uh, this has happened 91 times. And the ref said, yeah, of course, get out there and do it. And so that's kind of how that happened. Um, but I've never seen that before, but I think that's a special moment that deserves that. And that was, uh, I, I'm with you. I had, I had chills watching that too. Yeah. Credit the jets, you know, for yeah, not, not having a problem no, with it. Credit cool. the referees yep. and yep. the fans are recognizing how big a moment that yeah. was. I think it's amazing when you look at the history of this franchise. I'm, I'm kind of been wrapped up in the top 10 list, top 10 points, top 10 goals as of late. And you look at the, the current guys who we've seen in, in this uniform for a long time, maybe taking a little bit for granted just how good these guys are. Uh, Kane now fourth behind Makita, Hull, and Savard wow. in points in this franchise. It's incredible. There. Taves is at is sixth, and, uh, and Keith moved into tenth. I mean, it's just amazing wow. to think all the players that played here, all the Hall of Famer, level talent that has have been here to see these guys putting up the numbers that they are it's just it's pretty fascinating to be to be able to watch it and a really cool moment on tuesday night in the pregame ceremony when you know kane's family is on the ice his parents weren't able to be in toronto if it had happened there and they also weren't able to be at the united center that's why he didn't do it (laughs) so that's why he didn't do it uh they had gone to london when the knights retired his jersey Uh, i think it was because of a snowstorm they were not able to get to toronto for the game on saturday night so they went back to Buffalo also because of a snowstorm. When it didn't happen in Toronto, they were unable to get from Buffalo to Chicago. So they weren't in the building when it happened on Sunday. Uh, Chris, you were in the locker room before the game yesterday or after morning skate when Kane was talking about, you know, yeah, it sucked that they weren't there. But he said it was almost cool for his dad to experience it from a different angle, to yeah. see all the coverage yeah. of it, to see all the interviews and the post-game reactions and everything, to be able to experience it from that angle. And then the family was in town for the on-ice celebration on Tuesday, a great moment. And uh, Jill Makita, Stan Makita's wife, the late Stan Makita's wife, on the ice presenting him with uh, Tiffany Crystal Plaque from the NHL, uh, Dennis Savard, his first NHL coach, and one of the other uh, three members of the Blackhawks to score 1,000 points in a Blackhawks sweater on the ice with him. Uh, just a, a really cool moment to just see the, I mean, those three standing on the carpet together represented yeah. 75% of the people who've done this in the entire almost 100-year history of this organization. So uh, a really cool kind of surreal moment just to see that and to see the celebration. And uh, I think it was at least 90 seconds straight that the fans were applauding him. Yeah. And, you know, he was he was trying to like wave it off and be like, all right, you know, this is done. And you could kind of see where a smile came across his face. And it was he was like... God, you know, I it just it's unreal. It's it's incredible to watch and think about, and also kind of appreciate the history that you're seeing right there in front and, of you. And I know that he appreciates the history of the organization. And on that night, uh, Dennis Savard, his first coach, he loved Savvy, and Savvy mm-hmm. he always talks about how Savvy was a good mentor to him and kind of let him play his style because he played like Savvy, um, taking chances offensively, and Savvy kind of helped mold him into that and then you know and then also to have the other coach that he won three Stanley Cups with the two coaches that um you know I know mean so much to him that was it was perfect timing and it was almost like he knew that like he just he knew this was going to be a special moment and he had a it was almost like he planned it that way right I'm going to do it at home Quinville's coming in the presentation's there Savio comes down you see down. him there in September this you know with a, with a whiteboard up yeah, on the wall he's like the all dates. right so if I do this many in this no, game yeah. you know, line so you play in the snowstorm too yeah, though is that right. uh, yeah. but <laughs> it was just special I mean you know that 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 really meant a lot to him and that was uh as a teammate of his and I can you know, speak for all of his teammates. That was that was pretty special. It was fun to see his family out there because his father doesn't like a fly. 
that's why he couldn't make it in. Yep. And it's really remarkable to see, you go on the road sometimes and you see his dad there. It's yep. like, boy, how'd you get here? It's like, I drove 12 hours, yeah. you know? Yeah. So they couldn't, they couldn't make the drive. But to see his family out there, and then I think one of the TV cameras caught Joe Quenville looking up and watching the video, Patrick Kane's milestone goals, yep. and he had a smile on his face like everybody else in the arena did. Yep. It was really fun. Yeah, he was a fan. Yeah. Q was a fan for a little bit there, too. And, and neat how they obviously and deservingly honored him, too. Uh, I, before we'll talk about Q in a second, but I do want to point out that I love the fact that Pat Kane Sr. came out. You know, he's not a dad who's you know in a in a suit or no, dressed no, up. No, like, no, no, no. He's wearing a full jersey, and yeah. on the back of the jersey, it's got eighty-eight on the sleeves. It's got Kane on the name bar, and it's got a thousand on the back of the jersey yeah. where the number should be. Uh, you know, cool. a special made jersey. I'm, I'm sure he might have had some help from some of the guys uh, downstairs, but yeah. uh, a really cool moment from him. And then Burr, you mentioned it, it all and. Chris, you as well. It all happened on the night that Joel Quenville making his return to the United Center. Uh, uh, great video played during the first TV timeout. Uh, another incredible moment by the referees who paused the game for a little bit, coming out of the TV timeout as the entire United Center on its feet and, and chanting Q and applauding. And, uh, you know, we heard from Quenville before the game saying this is really a moment for him to be able to say thank you to the fans as mm-hmm. much as it is for them to say thank you to him. And it was a cool, it, it was a cool moment, uh, almost a full circle moment for not only the fans, but also Joel. Joel talked, and I thought he said one thing I thought was very interesting. He said, you know, the way it ended, yeah, I, I could have been bitter, right? I could have had yeah. negative feelings here. But when that video started playing and those fans started cheering, you realize I didn't have any of that. I felt everything positive. And that to me is really a testament to kind of how the fans loved him and how he loved Chicago, how the team loved him afterward. Uh, he was talking out in the hallway with Taves and, and Keith and, and Kane and Seabrook and Dale Talon was there, former general manager of the Blackhawks. A cool moment to watch that as well. But I'm really happy that Joe Quenville, um, you know, that's why he got the win being with yep. the Blackhawks. But it was so nice to see him get kind of what he deserved for everything he gave for this team. Yeah, you're dead on, Chris. And I think it's <clears throat> he realizes like I, I don't need to be bitter. I, I I think he really genuinely appreciates being a Blackhawk, yeah. or, you know, for a long time and winning three Stanley Cups and appreciates the organization. And I'm with you. It's easy to to look at the negative side, and I think it's pretty neat that he even acknowledged that that I got nothing to be bitter about. I got right. to I got to coach at in in my mind the best organization in hockey and win three Stanley Cups here and. And he's a legend here forever, and uh, it's pretty neat that he mentioned that. And but don't forget, he wanted to win that game more oh, than was, any game yeah. of the season. And I can tell you with Joel, and I was watching when he's really when it's a must-win game, or he really wants to win from the start of the game. His mat, he's he, he's vocal on the bench. His matchups, like he might have three different lines called and say, "Chris, you're going here. Uh, Carter, you're up. If Taves line go up, Carter, you're going." And then, Adam, if uh, the cane line goes, you're going here. And so everybody on the bench, you've got to be a little more active. You've got to be listening from the start of the game. And if it's a, you know, if it's a normal Tuesday game, um, he may just kind of let the game play out. And as the game goes on, he may get a little more vocal and get his matchups going. But you knew it was an important game when the puck dropped and Joel immediately was like, all right, here's the matchup. So you got to go here. Adam, you're going now. Chris, you're going here. Carter, you're going next. Here you go. Blah, blah, blah. And that's how it looked to me from the bench that that he was dialed into this one. This was one that he definitely wanted to win. He coached that like a playoff game. I was yeah, talking to exactly. George Richards of the Athletic, who's covered the the uh, Panthers for a long time. He said that Joel actually changed the way he's been coaching this mm-hmm. season. He usually says that um, when Bobrovsky is in the net. He lets these guys just go, just skate, go ahead and, and fire up and down the ice. But he kind of played a defensive style. He clogged the middle. And there was the Blackhawks couldn't get any yep. shots through. They played a defensive style that 
George hadn't seen all season oh, long, wow. and I was thinking, boy, Joel really was playing a playoff kind of game, and, and it, it paid off as yeah. they won four to three. Well, and he knows firsthand the the talent of guys like Jonathan Taves and Patrick Kane yeah. on the other side. I mean, if anyone knows how to maybe thwart those two, it's it's Joel Quinville yeah. for coaching him for ten years. But what I also want to bring up, you know, what could have been maybe a little bit of an awkward moment for Jeremy Colleton, who's now in charge of the Blackhawks and we talk about you know the recognition due for Quinville with the fans and all of that it could have been a very awkward position sure. for him to be in but he said it very plainly right after morning skate and said you know the fans are going to give him a standing ovation and as well they should you know he's done a lot here he you know Colleton was the first one to kind of step up and say absolutely like he deserves this yeah. like he didn't make it an awkward situation because I think everyone in that situation understands the magnitude of Joel Quinville, but also the current state of both of these franchises and both of them coming in on five-game winning streaks. I mean, both of them are doing quite well right now. I I would say since the day Jeremy got here, I, I, it's been amazing how he's handled that. That's <clears throat> that's a brutal th- thing to step into. That's brutally hard, and you're going to get a lot of questions and um, his demeanor is perfect, a perfect guy to step into that situation. He's calm. He kind of sticks to what he knows. He sticks to what he thinks is right. Um, and I, and I, I really do tip my cap to him because since day one till that game uh, yesterday, uh, he handled it like an absolute pro class act. Um, you know, and, and I can tell you as a player and a guy that's in the league, you like you said, I give the Jets a lot of credit when they were cool with everybody. You recognize history and you mm-hmm. recognize Hall of Famers when you see him and when you know a guy, Joel Quinville, will be in the Hall of Fame. Step aside and give them their moment and, and learn from them. And, uh, and Jeremy's done an amazing, amazing job of that. Think about having to come in really on short notice like that, yeah. the youngest coach in the NHL. If you had no NHL coaching experience, you're taking over a legend in the coaching yep. ranks. And Jeremy is a very level headed guy, which yep. I've found to be the case uh, you know, for over the last year or so. Really knows his place, very confident in what he does, knows what he doesn't know, which is I think is important. He mm-hmm. listens to his, his coaches. But yeah, he acknowledged that, you know, what Joel did here. And he said, one of the reasons I came to Blackhawks organization, he said I was doing great in, in Europe, is because Joel Quinville was there, you know, and, and Jeremy started in, in the AHL. So I was able to learn from him. And I kind of, I wish I had more time to learn from yeah. him, basically. But he found himself in the situation that a lot of, guys wouldn't, wouldn't have been able to kind of come through there. So I, I really admire the way he handled it. And, yeah, he faced questions, guys saying, hey, you know, everybody's going to cheer in Joel Quinville. How do you feel? He said, I feel fine about it. He yeah. said, I, you know, I know where I am. I know where Joel is. He deserves it. And we're going to go out and win the hockey game. They didn't win the hockey game, but they've got this team going in the right direction. Mm-hmm. It was a, a 0-0 game through the first period. The Blackhawks go down 3 nothing. They fight back and make it a 4-3 game. I mean, it was a very entertaining game late in that one. And you almost had the feeling of, these guys are going to do it again. Another another three goal comeback, another whatever. But I mean, it was a very similar to a playoff atmosphere. I mean, the fans were into it. You know, they had moments where they were cheering for Q and almost somewhat cheering for the other side, but also, you know, when it got interesting late, I mean, they were on their feet, they were loud, uh, really a great way to kind of head into the break. Everyone can kind of get a rest. You have some injuries that I think this time is going to be really good for guys like, you know, Dylan Strom to kind of get over that last little hump, even Brandon Saad, who yep. just came back, you know, get him even better than, than maybe where he is right now. Uh, you know, two goals in his first two games coming back, you know, he's, he's doing okay, but, uh, it, this break, I think, is going to be really good for everyone, and uh, the key is going to be keeping that momentum 
on the other side of it, uh, which will be very important. It wasn't the worst loss, right? I mean, you, no, some no. losses are. I mean, it wasn't like that Blues game where they gave it up in the third period. You played a very good team. It yep. was coming in on the five game winning streak. You've been playing very well. You had one bad period. The second, yep. the second period, um, they just got loose defensively and a couple of pucks that I think Leonard. Normally, it stopped all season long, and he didn't. And after the game, he copped to it and said, yeah, I need to be better. We win that game if I'm better. So it's not like you go into the break going, oh, geez, we just got hammered and we didn't have any life. It was a really a fun hockey game and a good hockey game, so yep. I think you feel good about it. And I think that was the mood in the locker room afterwards. Yeah. Everyone was kind of, you know, it was one game. You can't win them all, but basically. We're, yeah. But we're doing good, and everyone was still holding out confidence. It wasn't the same feeling that maybe you had earlier in the year. It was like... I don't know what happened out there. I don't know who that team was, but uh, a really good uh, way to wrap up uh, a little over the first half. Well-deserved break for everyone. And, uh, you know, I think it's a well-deserved break for a lot of us in the room, too. You know, we get uh, a little bit of time, downtime. The break from each other, I think, is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You get time off? I didn't get that memo. I must have got lost in the uh, the outbox. Uh, we'll, I'm going to talk we'll, to Adam uh, about that. We'll make sure it uh, somewhere along the way gets there. But we're going to bring Eric Lear fully into the conversation now uh talking about as fast as her we we previewed it as i mentioned last week during the show talked to kendall coin got her incredible side of it and just what she's doing for the women's game in general but uh eric i know this has been a passion project uh for you and for one other important person over literally the last year basically since this moment happened at the skills competition a year ago uh what what kind of led to that? What was the passion behind this project and, and telling this story? Because, I mean, I know you've done a lot of work with Kendall through the years and her work with the Blackhawks, but to really kind of tell her story and, and how she's helping the next generation, just like uh, Cameron Granado helped her. Well, what's kind of crazy is we've, we had this idea before the All-Star game even happened. Mm-hmm. Um, she's been so involved in in the Blackhawks and the community and, and youth hockey camps and just being a a role model for the game before any of that happened that, that we had worked with her, like you mentioned, that it's like, you know, she'd be a good person to kind of check in and do a little profile on and see it and, and see what happens. I mentioned that to, to the other person you mentioned, Spencer Wade, who did a phenomenal job um, on this project. Um, and she was like, oh, man, if we do that, like, I, I want in. I want in on that. Um, so we were discussing it uh, two conventions ago. I think we, we first chatted about it. Um, and then just kind of kept uh, kept thinking about it throughout the the year, um, the years. And then when the All Star Game happened, we were like, "Oh, this is next level. This is a game changer. This has totally changed um, kind of maybe her platform and also what we can do from a storytelling standpoint." Um, so it really evolved from there. And just um, uh, how how amazing of a person she is to be playing uh, as well as she is, but also finding time to give back and to make sure that. Uh, women's hockey is a better place for the next generation than it was for her, much like you mentioned Cammie did did for Kendall. I know behind the scenes, maybe not everyone realizes the the planning and the time that goes into something. I mean, it's an 18-minute documentary. It's not a 90-minute feature film, but just the amount of work that went into those 18 minutes, you guys are sitting at the draft, the Blackhawks draft Kirby Doc in June. You use that time to also go out and get that interview with Cameron Granado. I mean, that's how far back some of these shoots and interviews and everything was taking place. I mean, you're recording with Kendall Coyne throughout the summer, uh, kind of during some downtime and, and getting some of those on-ice shots of her skating around Fifth Third Arena. How much 
work goes into this over the entire year. I mean, I know we talked about it's a passion project, but there's a lot that goes into anything that's produced like this, especially something as long as uh, this documentary. Yeah, it's a beast. It's a beast of a project. And, and one of the harder parts of doing that is trimming it down. We have terabytes and terabytes of footage to try to to trim down and <laughs> it's, a terabyte. it's something that you get at the restaurant when you're hungry yeah, you grab like an a, appetizer no. yeah, it's a pterodactyl <laughs> <little turd. laughs> a lot of footage yeah, uh, to, the, to the lay person um so that's definitely a challenge um but yeah i mean we started um in earnest production in this in the spring last year we went out to to follow her around at nhl network she was on a panel at uh the spnw summit in brooklyn um we shot a ton with her over the summer at all these camps, and and it's the amount just the amount, the amount of interviews. I mean, we had to take a break in her interview; it was almost two hours long. Same thing with Cami; we talked with her in, in Vancouver for a, a long time. So, um, it's basically a constant project um, with all the other videos content that we're working on. It wasn't; it was something that we were Spencer and I were always in contact, uh, talking about, planning, having meetings, reviewing cuts, reviewing interviews, going through transcripts, and. And again, a big shout out to her. I, I don't know if she's worked on a whole lot uh, else uh, in the last, especially the last seven, eight months, just because it's been such a, a beast of a project to, for her to edit and for us to, to review and go over. But obviously, we're we're super proud with how it, it turned out. And um, all that time is, is very worth it to tell Kendall's story. What was your favorite moment, maybe behind the scenes or what sticks out to you during this entire process is just something that's surreal for you i think it was just cool to know to get to know like what she was up against what she's fighting for um i mean i, I haven't been super exposed to being in a a world that isn't uh i don't have you don't have the representation you know she's fighting um to be visible so that young girls can can see someone on tv on national tv doing this so i think i knew this was an important story before we started but i don't think i really knew how important it was until we started to get into it. We went to the ESPNW Summit in Brooklyn, and you hear all of these these dominant female athletes talk about the fight that they're up against to try to to, to have a sustainable sport. Um, I don't think that's something that I fully realized, so I thought that was really meaningful to kind of sit back and see. Yeah, she's Kendall Coyne's winning gold medals. She's skating as fast as anybody I've seen around, around a rink, but she's doing it with this, this weight on, on her shoulders of being – visible um and trying to represent an entire sport i think that really just says a lot about the type of person she is to be able to dominate the way that she is with all all of that um kind of weighing on her i know i know personally when you guys do these things it's always um you know there's edits and there's more edits and then there's talking to kendall who is the feature in it and it's um it's collaborative, and you guys will say, what do you want to get across here? What, what, what's the message we're going for here? What's the look we're going for here? Are you good with this? Um, you, you probably already answered some of it, but what was the main thing that she wanted to push in this? What was she most interested in? Because when we talked to her last week, I, I wanted to hear about the skating and how she, like, she had no warm-up, and she didn't know she was going to do it, but she almost kind of downplays that, and um, she doesn't, that wasn't the, the focus of this whole thing. And I think what's cool about that that moment is that she she even says, well, that, that wasn't about me skating it. Yeah, it was about it was about a woman, a dominant woman, a female hockey player being in that moment and performing well. That it wasn't like look what I did. It was yeah. like this is look what we uh. did. And I thought that's that is really selfless of her to to say. But in an almost two hour interview, um, the only time she got emotional is when we were talking about 
the next generation, wow. future hockey players, young girls um, who maybe don't know that this is something that they can pursue because they don't see it. They see Patrick Kane and they, you know, that maybe they don't know that they can, yeah. they can do it. So I thought that was probably the most powerful thing that we, we caught from her was that how much she really cares about the next generation and making um, hockey in general more accessible to anyone that wants to play, particularly people that aren't represented as much. I thought that just um, really resonated with, with Spencer and I quite a bit as we were kind of diving into where the story was going to go. So you, you put in, what, years, basically, starting in, on this, and I know you're doing your regular thing, too. You're traveling with the team. You're doing the locker room interviews. You're Every time I come in the office, which is sporadic, oh, Eric's here again. That's, yeah. that's odd, you know. <laughs> but um, so when you see this final product and you see people reacting, we sat in a conference room and watched it, and I was looking around the room, and, and, and it was I was engrossed in it. People were engrossed in it. Pe- people were crying, you know. I mean, when you see that, you see the reaction, and you hear what people are saying about it, Where's where's the pride level in the work that you've done? I mean, it's huge. It's huge. I mean, Spencer and I are super proud of how it turned out. I think if we had six more months, we would love to keep doing, you know, keep tweaking it and adding more. And, you know, we could have made a a full length feature if we, you know, had the time. But I mean, I think we're very proud of it. I think it's um, we're proud of, you know, pretty much every video we produce um, in the first place. But this one's just different. I mean, it just has a different feel. It it can reach a different audience that I think is is an important audience to reach and for them to see this. So, I mean, we're we're super proud of it, and we just hope that that everyone out there can find some time to take a look at it and um, hope they like it as well. Where can everyone see it? So blackhawks.com slash fast is her. Uh, We'll have it. It's also on the Blackhawks YouTube page, so youtube.com slash blackhawks. A few different ways you can see it. Um, so either one will work. Nice. And it'll also be shown on NBC Sports Chicago at three different times this week, uh, starting tonight, Wednesday night, 10.30 Central, tomorrow, Thursday night, 7 p.m. Central, and then uh, on Saturday at 5.30 p.m. Central, as well as uh, I believe NBC Sports National is going to play a small portion of it during some of their all-star coverage this weekend. Yeah, Friday, um, Kendall's involved in, um, in a legacy event uh, at the all-star game on Thursday, so they're going to capture some stuff with her, and then they're going to play a, a two-minute portion of this Friday during their all-star game kind of pregame skills coverage, which is amazing. Um, also, NHL Network uh, time is, is to be determined right now, but you can check blackhawks.com slash her. We'll update that with all that information. So uh, kind of cool to see a lot of people in the hockey world um, interested in this and, and wanting to get more eyeballs on it. Um, really special. Billie Jean King was in, involved was in this. I was going to say, even outside the hockey world, like yeah. Billie Jean King is a pretty big name to have kind of backing this project and really inv- invested in it. An absolute legend. I mean, literally changed the game. Yeah. Uh, obviously changed the games in so many ways. Um, so to have her interviewed in this and, and her support behind it is amazing. Kendall's teammates... Um, a, a lot of people that, that we've worked with, talked to, and, and know Kendall um, are really happy um, that, that the Blackhawks produced something like this, and we were happy that Kendall uh, trusted us uh, to tell her story. You get a break now? You taking uh, a well, all-star break? What's my, next, Eric? Let's my, hear boss, it. my boss is in the room, so if we can move the microphone over, see if I get a couple of days off, that would be great. Uh, um, I mean, I want to start part two right now. I want to keep the, these. The Blackhawks original series is, like I said, it's a beast to produce, but we love it. I mean, it's it's long form, um, and it's it's telling stories, and that's what we like to do um, in this business, and is tell stories. And Kendall had a great one, so now it's you know maybe I'll take a few days over the weekend, um, and then. Uh, Come back and figure out which what's next. Can what's I make the a next suggestion? One? You can. 
Right here, Adam Burris, the Adam Burris yeah, story. What a, what you want us to follow you around for a year? Make this about me again. <laughs> <laughs> you get a good no, four good. or five minute documentary out of, out of that. Good. Uh, I think three days in, you'd be like, all right, nice to see you. You're going to hit the road, man. Well, for those that don't know, the Blackhawks original kind of umbrella oversees a lot of stuff. I mean, you guys did a full kind of feature on Adam Boquist and his time with the London Knights uh, over a year ago and kind of that story as well as everything that kind of falls under the on-the-clock umbrella and kind of going behind the scenes throughout the entire scouting, combine, draft lottery, NHL draft process. I mean, these are some really deep, you know, full-length films that uh, take you where no one else can, literally no one else can take you. Yeah, and it's really, that's really fun. It all started with On the Clock, uh, the draft series, when um, when we hosted the draft here in Chicago. And um, I mentioned my boss, Adam Kempinar, and and Jay Blunk and everyone said, well, this is big. This is huge. There's there's uh, the, the draft, a marquee event coming to Chicago. How can we um, show people what what it's like? Um, so when that got brought to us from from Adam Kempinar, we were like, this is this is huge. Like this is what we want to do. This is fun. Um, it was it's a beast to do that um, a little bit more because it's it's generally two, three, four, ten minute episodes in with within the span of a month, um, a couple months. So that's uh, this was nice because we did have some time, uh, the as fast as her that is, because we did have a little more time to really think about it, cut it, talk over ins and outs of every single bite placement. Uh, with on the clock, sometimes it's like we, whoa, we gotta, we gotta get this thing out. Um, so it started with that, and then once uh, after that first year, it was really well received. We've we've still done that uh, now three seasons of on the clock, but we were like, let's tell more stories like this. This is what people want. This is what what we have the skill, um, Blackhawks TV, in producing is telling those stories. So. Um, we picked that up from there and started doing more individual profiles. One on Dylan Secura, signing Secura was a really fun one where um, we got to show kind of a unique story in hockey yeah. where you can be playing college hockey on a Monday and you can be playing in the NHL on right. Thursday. I mean, you don't see that in any other sports. So we kind of dove into that and Dylan at Northeastern, which was a lot of fun. And we realized how much fun we have with these. So we're just kind of looking out there looking for uh, looking for great stories like that to keep keep pursuing. And Kendall was a, a no-brainer for us. And I know the, the next at least project or projects or at least in the story development phase. So uh, some exciting stuff to keep coming there uh, for full coverage. It's blackhawks.com slash fast as her. You can watch the full film as well as the information about where it's airing on TV, the different stuff that Kendall's doing within the community, how uh, you can get your son or daughter involved in Blackhawks youth hockey and um, all kinds of great stuff. Blackhawks.com slash fast as her. And, uh, I mean, we want to know what you thought about thought about it. I mean, send an email to insider at blackhawks.com with um, what what this means to you, what what you thought about it, uh, how terrible of a job Eric Lear did specifically <laughs> on it. Uh, it was all Spencer. Yeah. <laughs> Which, whatever you want. We want to hear what you thought about it. But, uh, Eric, great job. And, uh, I mean, we all mentioned it last week to Kendall, but uh, a really great um, motivational piece and inspirational piece for not only the girls' game but also – hockey and, and people that love sports in general so uh, a really great product there and uh, thanks for giving us a, another angle and behind the scenes uh, look at it uh, here today and joining us yeah happy to be back and if you don't know who Kendall is or you know a little bit about Kendall you're like oh she she skated the lap like it definitely she's she's an amazing person yeah, and we, we got to know her very very well in this process she's not only one of the best hockey players in the world but a great person with a great family who we got to know so I'd highly recommend it even if you're a casual observer or don't know who she is uh, it's a great person to know and learn more about she's just like an open book and so 
lively and, and outgoing all the time. Uh, a, a great person, uh, just kind of backing up what you said. But uh, that'll do it for this week's episode, guys. Uh, Eric, thanks for joining us once again. For Chris Cook and Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. We'll be back next week towards the tail end of the bye week, kind of teeing up as the Blackhawks hit into a very crucial stretch in February with uh, 11 of 14 games on the road that will uh, largely decide where this team goes this season and whether a playoff run uh, is in the is in the card. So it's going to be an interesting few weeks. Uh, we'll be back next week, but uh, until then, we'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. <laughs> <laughs>